You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Black Friday edition of ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Chatting with you at 1-800-919-3776. Alan Hahn, who called the game with Don LaGreca on our sister station, 1050 ESPN, and of course the ESPN New York app. Well, join us in about uh, nine, ten minutes or so. We'll get his thoughts on what he saw at the Garden and this Nick team that came and fought their way back after a really, you know, a, a really tough third quarter. I mean, Miami comes out 17-0 run in the third. And you're thinking, uh-oh, here we go. It's not one of those games. But just like I told Gordon very clearly, I said, this is what's going to happen. They'll get They'll get squared away. They'll come back, the Knicks will come back, and it'll be a one-possession game. It'll be a one-possession game. So, you know, that's what turned, That's the way it turned out. And good defense late in the game. R.J. Barrett, great scoring from Brunson. And the Knicks get a big win at the Garden. And, and listen, whether, whether you love the tournament or not, if you're a Knicks fan, you never want to lose to Miami. I don't care whether it's a tournament on the line. I don't care whether you're out still. I don't care what it is. You always want to beat your rival. And Gordon, I know for a lot of people, it's always been, you know, for the older Nick fans like myself, it's Boston. You right. hated Boston. It's mm-hmm. always been Boston. But when the Knicks were really good, really, really good in the 90s, it's Miami. It's Miami. It's Pat Riley leaving yes, New York, absolutely. going to Miami. That connection, sure. You know, it's it's... It's it's it's, it's everything. It, mm-hmm. it just drives you nuts. You you gotta beat Miami. Miami is uh, you, you gotta beat them, and they're like I always say, they're mirror images of each other. So it's it, it's always fun when they get together, and so you always want to win those games. You just yeah. do. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it comes down to who's beaten you and who have you beaten, and and the fact that it's the the history of it, but also last year, right? Like yeah, getting back sure. to the playoffs and winning a playoff series, and then getting ousted by them. So, um, you know, if the Bulls were better, I'm sure that that would be a rivalry because yeah. that was a rivalry at times as well. And yes, the Celtics, you never like losing to Boston no, or anything, but no, it's a little no, bit no. more dated there. Uh, whereas yeah. the, the the Heat are the more recent thing, and especially Absolutely. with Riley still being there, it'd be one thing if Riley was still off there. and retired, or but the fact that he's still running the show, yeah. That's still uh, that gets under Nick fans' cross. It does, and and you're still worried at the trade deadline that they're going to come up with something. Mm-hmm. You're you're always concerned, right? They're going to come up with something and somebody. I mean, I'm still surprised that Damian Lillard is not there. <laughs> I thought for sure he was I going. Da- there, I think Damian Lillard might still be a little surprised <laughs> that Damian Lillard is not there. I thought for sure he was going there. I really did. I really. But Alan Hahn will join us in a couple of minutes, and we'll recap. That uh, big game at the Garden for the Knicks. Back to the phones we go. Jacques is in Rockland. Jacques, you are next on 98.7. Yes, good evening, guys. Um, thanks, t- thanks for taking my call. Um, I-, I see you guys are talking Knicks now, and that's cool, but uh, I was still on the Jets topic. And, right, go uh, ahead. There was a what phone you got? Caller, um, there was a phone caller earlier that um, was uh, pointing the finger at Woody Johnson a lot, and I- I- I've, been, I've been talking about this for like the last, I don't know how long, that you know, Woody Johnson. It, it, I feel like there's like the James Dolan effect going on, where the owner is you know meddling in you know sports business that you hired people to do for you, and I, I feel like this whole Zach Wilson thing and 
um, a lot a lot of decisions um, after the fact behind it is you know primarily the owners um, you know overriding and stuff because I don't understand a lot of these football decisions that that that, that were made that were actually made by football guys you know what I'm just drafting Zach Wilson to begin with you know what I'm saying all the all of his history with BYU him not being a captain him getting benched and all he has to show for it is an arm you know what I'm saying and run, through running a college offense. I don't even understand how Douglas or 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 um, Salah would want to drive Zach Wilson at number two. Um, I feel like all of this has Willie Johnson's name all over it, and it's been what twenty twenty something years now. Yeah, the subject of selling the team should be on, on the table, I believe. Well, and, uh, yeah. Well, what, what what table? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, what, uh, what this, table? I mean, there is um, no table. You, you, you have to understand, like you know, the the, the power is within the people. You understand? Know we make okay. You know, the just everything operates within that. You understand? And, you know, if we decide just to not to either show up okay. or um, well, participate look. until he sells. Okay. That, you can do that. You can you can try that. That's been tried before. It's never worked. There's I mean, never you know, been a history of it ever working. I mean, we, we, we're in the era of protesting. Yes, and okay. Trust me. That's what you're going to protest. <laughs> that's what you you're going to spend your time protesting. <laughs> have at it. to agree, like, the, the last, the last how, what, 25 years almost? That he's, oh. he's on the team, and yes. it's been so. I, I agree with you. And, and 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 less than that, and it's and it's like, yo, bro, like. Well, he was the owner of the team when they went to back to back championship games as well. No, of course, and and I mean, one of those years, um, there was like no salary cap. I don't know if you guys remember, and um, that was the second year, the second run, and Tenenbaum went crazy, and then Jason Taylor came in. We was we was taking up a whole bunch of contracts. Right. So, I mean, there was a lot of stuff involved in that, and there was a decent game plan and, and different coaches involved. In well, that. Jock, understand it's, 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 now. Yeah, understand, yeah. understand, my friend. Uh-huh. We're not disagreeing with you. We're disagreeing with the way the the way that you're thinking about going about it. In the sense of, there's really nothing you can do to make an owner sell his no, franchise. Nothing. Now you can save your money. You can say, "I'm not going to games." Absolutely. Put money in your pocket. That you absolutely can do. But it doesn't. I mean, but, ma- it doesn't. It would have to take a mass learn mass group of people to just saying, "I'm not going to watch the Jet games," for okay. for him and, to be able and, to and, say and, that he's and, going and, to sell guys, the team. If you guys share the same sentiment as me, and you guys are on the radio, you know we could start this together. You understand? I'll, I'll I'm a Dolphin fan. I want the guy to own the team for for a hundred years. <laughs> I, I want him to bring back Adam Gase as offensive coordinator. <laughs> So, uh, don't count me in, Jacques. I'm out. You understand? So, I mean, no. GD, I mean, maybe, maybe you. You understand? Like, we could get this this boat rolling. You know? No, I want lifetime contracts for everybody up. involved right now. <laughs> Tim Boyle in the Ring of Honor. You, it's the whole thing. You don't All right, want my Jack, Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Yeah, yeah. No, you you asking the wrong guy to help you, Gordon Damon. <laughs> That's the wrong. I guy. just it has to be on the table. What ta- we can't make him sell the can't team. Can't make him sell. And, and look, it's it's possible. Uh, Rich Samini comes on with us during the week, and he says that you know from from the people he's talked to, and and Rich at this point is like a Jet historian. He yeah, he, he has been around that organization forever. According to people he has talked to, Woody is very involved in decisions more so than maybe he would that, that people would believe. But if that's the case, there's nothing you can do to get him out. Yep, can't do it. Nothing you can do. You know, like I said, individually, I'm not going to the games. Got it? Don't go. And, and it's funny we're talking about this great win, Nick win. Yep. 
Who are two the two owners since I followed sports in this town that have gotten the most amount of criticism are George Steinbrenner and Jim Dolan. Yeah. And it's funny when they're when the teams are losing, they're too involved, they're making too many decisions, they're doing this wrong, they're doing that wrong. When they're winning, all of a sudden they're hands off. Yeah. They, they, they don't have any <laughs> any hands in in, in the in the decision making process. It's all based on the people you hire, I think. It is. It is. And, you know, listen, the Jets have done every, they've tried everything. They, they went on the search committee mm-hmm. to get uh, general managers and head coaches. They've done, they've done it all. People say, well, you know, what he, what he should listen to football people. Oh, right, he went out, he got football people, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, he's, he's tried everything. And unfortunately, right now, it's not worked. No. It hasn't worked. So, you know what? You keep trying till it does. That's a, you, that, as the owner, that's all you can do. You know, we have to ask Samini about the next time we have him on is what is the cap ramifications if he knows if mm. Rodgers leaves after this year? Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. When we return, we'll take you to Madison Square Garden. Alan Hahn of Barton Hahn will join us next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. For those of you on hold, hang with us a second. Let's talk a little Knicks. Let's head back to the Garden. Where Alan Hahn on the call with our Don LeGreco did a fantastic job. You know Alan Hahn, Barton Hahn, noon to three, Monday through Fridays. Does a fabulous job with them as well. Alan Hahn, Larry and Gordon, how are you, my friend? Good, gentlemen. It's good to hear you guys. And um, I, I guess... That previous caller really had me. And, Gordon, I'm glad you just went, what table? <laughs> that's, like, literally what I was thinking. Right. When, you said, when he's like, that's got to be on the table. And I'm in my head, Who's I'm thinking, on what table? And you're yeah, like, exactly. what table? But it was such a great line. So, kudos to handling that call. Thank you. All right, Alan. Uh, typical Miami Nick game, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, it's funny, though, but it, it, it really was. Because you just never, like, there are certain opponents in certain games, and you're like, oh, let's see what happens. Then there's certain games that, like, this didn't need to be an in-season tournament game that had some ramifications to it for it to have sizzle, right? It's Friday night. It's New York. It's the Garden. Like, it's it's Knicks heat. Before this was even dubbed an in-season tournament game, you're going to sell tickets for it. But to add the caveat to it kind of made it special, but still – the back and forth, the physicality, um, just even when it got to 21. And I said to Don, I'm like, you know, the Knicks are, they play hard. And you just got to keep playing hard because there was still like nine minutes to go in the third quarter. There was a ton of time left in the game. And I just kept saying to Don, like, just if they keep competing, you just, you, you never know. It's Knicks heat, anything can happen. I, I didn't expect that we'd have ourselves that a two-point game, and then suddenly a Nick lead. But but we got there, and it's because these two teams, when they play against each other, it just crazy stuff happens, and that's what makes a great rivalry. How loud was the building tonight, Alan, down the stretch? Oh, yeah, that's a great it, – it really was. And, you know, there's times where they say when you do a broadcast in the building, and I never really understood it till I started getting the experience of it, 
you can hear a crowd loud, but when you take the headset off for a second, <laughs> right. you realize just how loud it is. And it's amazing. And that is the, the, the MVP chance for Brunson, the defense chance that just echo. It was, but, and that's what's special. You could be down 21, but if you're down 21 at home against a rival and you score five quick points, it's still, you're down 16. But because the building wakes up, it's like, oh, you could do this. Like, it's still 16. Like, you would think like, it's still a big mountain to climb, but it's just incredible how a crowd, when it gets the way a New York crowd gets, can fill you. That's how that building was. You know, it has these special nights, and this was certainly one of them. Alan, we'll get to Jalen Brunson in a second, but I want to get your opinion on what we've seen from R.J. Barrett. Now, we've talked about his inconsistency. We've talked about him going to the basket, not finishing. We've talked about him with the threes. Aside from his availability for the few games that he's missed, what's been the biggest change in his game to you this season so far? Uh, It's confidence. It's just, again, he's, I mean, he's been here, it seems like, forever. You know, he's still 23 years old, but yet he's he's been a Nick for five years. So, you know, I, I think you're just seeing him continue to grow. And he, he came into the season ready because he played so well for Team Canada in the World Cup, had that confidence, and then stepped in, understanding his role, having a better understanding for what is expected of him, especially with the addition of Jalen Brunson after last year. And so he came in ready. Then the injury happened, and you could see when he first came back from this that, you know, it actually wasn't an injury. It was the migraines and everything else. But he, he took a minute, maybe a half or two, to get back in rhythm. Even in this game, first half, relatively quiet. But he's a guy, like, the great example is he's got an open three, which I believe had a chance to cut it to two, and he missed it. And he missed it bad. Like, I'm talking about an air ball miss. And they get a stop. They come down the other end, and he's setting up in the corner going, let's go, give me another one, give me another one. Like, no hesitation. Some guys, if they miss that badly, they start to hide. Like they pretend to be covered because they don't want the ball, not him. He wanted that ball back, and that that shows you the growth that he has and the confidence he has in himself and how much time he spent working on that jump shot. And so he made big buckets late and um, was a key to the win. Alan, we, I know we had a lot of conversations last year about Brunson and being the best free agent signing that this town has seen in a very long time. Has there been a guy who is more built for New York I think we, it's time to have that conversation. Free agents who have not just been <laughs> yeah. home runs, but guys who are built for New York. He is. I, I wish Brian Cashman could get a little bit info on on Brunson because that's what uh, that's what the Yankees need and the Knicks have. Uh, you know what helps? He's got the DNA in him. His yep. dad played for the Knicks. He yep. grew up around that environment. He knew Tibbs, so you kind of feel like it's uh, you, you got to find guys like that. You know, they use the Chris Canny always uses this wonderful phrase blood in the ground now it's not that you know Jalen doesn't have literal blood in the ground but it's the experience and it's the 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 familiarity that he understood what it's about you still got to be built for it and he clearly is I was saying it during the broadcast he had this built bulldog mentality that you could see the physicality that the heat were bringing at him Eric Spolster last season after the series was over he said, how is this dude not all an all-star? How is he not all NBA? 
Like, he couldn't understand it. So it shows you the respect they had for him. But they know. we got to beat him up. we got to just keep pounding him, sending length at him. And so there were so many times in this game he was getting knocked to the ground, got hit on the shoulder, hit in the face. He just never cowered from it, just kept battling through and battling through, fighting back. And, and it's exactly it. It's sort of that mentality of that what, what we as New York fans like to feel this is what it is to be New York. And, you know, he, he, he brings that. And I think it does help that he understands it. And uh, would be nice if uh, a few more Yankees had that same type of mentality. I think Judge does. I think Cole does. But, you know, the Sonny Grays of the world did not. Right. The free agents this offseason I'm talking about. Those are the guys they need. Yeah, if they could find them. Right. I don't know if they all exist, though. These are rare, these guys. Yeah, I guess. That's true. Brunson's toughness. I don't know if you guys heard his his walk-off with ESPN. Yes. He said what got him going. And I don't know if some of this a little bit of hyperbole or not. But you know how some players, they need that that motivation. You know, a fan, a fan said this is embarrassing. Well, if only a couple of Jets fans, you know, had that in them. Because I imagine a few people at MetLife Stadium have yelled that out the gangrene a few times this season. Uh, and other things. <laughs> <laughs> And other things. Uh, Alan, we're talking about toughness. We talk about physicality. Let's talk about the Knicks' big men. Hartenstein with an unbelievable block late in that game. And Mitchell Robinson, yeah. you know, we, we always criticize him and whatnot, but he has really grown to be a really dominant guy. Sweeps the boards clean and is a shot blocker. I mean, those two are, are as physical a tag team in the, in the middle as you have in the league. Yeah, I would argue might be the best center tandem in the NBA because either guy's interchangeable. They both bring kind of the same stuff. They get along so well. Neither one of them are, uh, you know, complaining about not getting enough shots. They just do all the dirty work that's necessary. You know, that, that they really have two guys that they bring it physically. They can rebound. And I, I think what you saw, again, you talk about respect factor. Miami went at Mitchell Robinson early in the game as if they were like, we got to get this guy off the court. Got to get him in foul trouble. And he got the first cheap early foul. And then the next possession, bam, got the ball. and was like, I'm going at him. Like they just knew, got to get him off the floor because of his dominance rebounding-wise. And he does so many subtle things that you don't, that don't show up in the box score. But then Hartenstein comes in. It's not like you get a huge drop-off. You still get toughness. You got to pass. Very good in drop coverage. And he can rebound a little bit, too. So, you know, it's, it's a strong position for them, and it's a value position. You know, you think about the, the two, two critical positions on the floor, point guard and center. The Knicks have two very good centers, and you think about point guard with Emmanuel Quickly and Jalen Brunson, they have two really good point guards as well. So when you have those two areas locked up the way the Knicks do, it's, it's why you can consider yourself a really good team. Alan, how much money is uh, Emmanuel quickly making for himself uh, with the start that he's gotten <laughs> off to? Yeah, the half like he had and some of those threes that he made that just brought momentum back, you're absolutely right, Gordon. I mean, you, here's the thing. Because you have a starting point guard in Jalen Brunson. You're, you're not moving on from him, clearly. And Emmanuel quickly could fancy himself as a starter. Uh, you, you know, there could be some teams in the league that might say, I'll give him, you know, $25 million, uh, $26 million a year and make him my starting point guard. And if you're the Knicks, you think, all right, how much is it worth to me, though, to keep him? 
because while he's not going to be a starter, he's so valuable. How much do you want to invest in the point guard position? If Brunson, who you've already got signed and still has two years left on that deal, you're getting him at dirt cheap. Can you say to yourself, all right, if they put these two combined, it's going to cost me $55 million for my point guard position. That's what Damian Lillard makes. So is it worth it to you to get that kind of production at the cost of one for two players? If I'm the Knicks, I got to think hard about that. But even though, and if you're if you're a quickly, while you want to be a starter, uh, I could be on a really good team by the team that drafted me and a system that I really fit in in a city I love, and I'm not losing money. Why wouldn't you want to do this? So that, that that's a conversation that might need to be had pretty soon. Yeah, it is interesting, uh, Alan, and Gordon and I talk about this all the time, and, and it's, you know me, I always look to the future and try to see. I'm, I'm enjoying it a little better than I have in the past, Alan. I will admit that. I'm trying to <laughs> go game by game, but I'm still, I'm still looking ahead a little bit, and, you know, we always talk about the draft picks that the Knicks have, and those draft picks are starting to run out. Is, is this another option that, you know, when they are ready to make that move, that Possibly if they can't come to an agreement with uh, quickly, he's involved in one of these moves that they're eventually going to have to make with some of these draft choices that they have. Yeah, I, I, you know, the trade deadline comes up. Remember, they can't extend it now until the season's over. They had that opportunity um, right before the season opened. And then once that happened, then you cannot do a negotiate. You cannot do an extension with them uh, until after the season. So he will go into restricted free agency Um so at the trade deadline, what do you do? But I just think he's, he's got such great value to your team. I, I wouldn't want to part with him, and it would have to take something significant to make that kind of a move because of just how valuable he is. But make no mistake, you know, the white whale is still out there for Leon Rose to catch. That white whale is a, is a high-level star player that can take uh, what is a very good team into a contending team. And those aren't easy deals to make. And those players don't often show up. And while Joel Embiid was in the rumors going into the season, Larry, he looks pretty happy mm-hmm. in Philadelphia with Tyrese Maxey and no James Harden. I can't imagine that's going to be something that comes up. Giannis got Dane. So Giannis complaining and wanting out of Milwaukee, he just signed an extension to line up with Dane. That's not going to happen. Where else are we going? Do we go back to the Dominic Mitchell of uh, you go back to that scenario where maybe he tries to force his way out of Cleveland knowing he's not going to sign an extension. Who else is there? Like who's the, who's the, the high end star that can put you over the top? Zion. Uh, are you going to gamble on that? So that's kind of where the Knicks are right now. It's that limbo of you could have a good team that's got depth and just wait for the next star to arrive. But you're right about the draft picks. You only got him for a short period of time, and then all of a sudden you're going to have to use him on something. So I, I just don't know. When fans bring that up to me all the time, who's the star they're going to get? And that's just a conversation that follows the Knicks everywhere they go. <laughs> There's nothing that significant out there, and the only other thing you could think of is something that Brian Windhorst told us uh, last week when we were talking about this very same thing. And he said, you got to watch Minnesota. Because as good as they are, they're about to hit a level of tax luxury tax that they generally don't want to pay. And they're going to have to make some decisions on their payroll and move some of that money out. So who's that going to be? Well, we know it's not going to be Anthony Edwards, but could it be Carl Anthony Towns? 
you know that rumor never goes away either. So it, that's what you're watching more than anything. Alan, last one from me. Uh, did the Knicks game and your preparation for that allow you or force you to avoid seeing any of the Jets game? Okay, so here's how it went down. Uh, finished my show with Bart at one. Uh huh. Spent like five, you know, a little bit of time just just decompressing because I don't know if you guys know working with Bart, very high stress, <laughs> very high stress. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth, especially on Black Friday. And then I do some prep for the Nick game, whatever I needed to do for MSG TV pregame, and then prep a little bit on Miami. So three o'clock hits. And I'm telling you, Gordon, it's, you don't know this feeling, but it's that kind of like, all right, I guess I'll put it on. You know, like, like you just don't have any optimism. No. You just want to see, eh, what can happen? And so I put it on as I'm getting ready, knowing I need to leave about, I think I left around 4 o'clock for the game. Uh, all I saw was one quarter. That's all I needed to see. That's all you needed to see. <laughs> and I heard Bob, I heard Bob was choosing. And I heard that the, the Jets get the interception, seconds left, and I'm thinking, take a knee, go into the locker room. Take a knee, go into the locker room. And then I hear him talk about a Hail Mary, and I, I, I went from him calling the 100-yard interception for a touchdown run, which somehow, some way, just put it up there in the Hall of Shame with the butt fumble and the fake spike and everything else. And... I literally went from that game to Christmas music. I needed Christmas music at that point, guys. That's how bad it got. Well, Alan, decompress. Yeah. Take a deep breath. <laughs> I know you got Nets and Knicks coming up. Take a deep breath. And then before you know it, it'll be Monday, and you'll have to t talk Bart off a ledge because he looked pretty sad today. Oh. <laughs> Good luck it, with that it, on Monday. I, I gotta watch the yeah. I gotta watch the post game show. I didn't get the chance to see it. I, oh. I, I can only imagine. Oh. But let me say one thing. I did hear a caller you guys had say this, and I, and I want it back. Don Lagreca is obviously a we know him. We love him as a hockey guy, and he calls a great hockey game. But Don calling this game was a phenomenal thing to sit next to and witness because the man's got pipes. We all know that. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like Donnie shined in a game like that. And a comeback like that, it was an incredible call. And I was, like, just enjoying it sitting next to him. And I was telling somebody that a couple of those threes that they were hitting in the, in the run they had in the fourth quarter, like, just Don, like, oh, I was getting out of my seat. It was so exciting. So just want to say that it was a great experience to work with him. It was a lot of fun. And, and he really is a true professional. What a, what a great voice he has. I'm, I'll say thank you for him. <laughs> Don and, and Han has a nice ring to it these it games, does. you know? Yeah, it does. If you're a Mets fan, you know it. Yeah, Don Han. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Alan, thanks for dropping in. Uh, and get, you notice something? We never mentioned Julius Randle in the interview. How about See that? that? Never mentioned him. Funny. We hardly <laughs> saw him in the fourth quarter. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> That's why we didn't mention him. Have a good time. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk soon. See you. See you thanks, Alan. Alan. Alan Hahn weighing in on the Knicks two-point win at the Garden over Miami. <laughs> over Miami Gordon. Yes. Could, couldn't pick a better team. Oh, know? man. At least one New York team got to win against Miami. Hallelujah. When we return, we'll go back to your phone calls until midnight on 98.7 ESPN.
You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Going to head back to the phones at 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's go to Buddha in the Bronx. Buddha, you are next on 98.7 ESPN. You know, guys, we've reached that point in the NFL season, you know, where the Jets usually let you know what kind of team they are. It's called Thanksgiving. Happy mm-hmm. holidays to you guys and your families. I hope you all enjoy, too. Most important day. Right back oh, it was at great. you, Buddha. Right back to you. You know, you, you know the deal. Mm-hmm. Listen, um... This is like I said. This is a usual time for me as a Jets fan, you know. Um, and I turn into Franz Jolie. I mean, and I quote, you know, "Why you said goodbye? Why'd you made me cry? Why you lived a lot?" <laughs> Gonna get over you, over you. I can't, I can't <laughs> get, gotta get over you. I can't let this get over me down. You? <laughs> I got my life to live. I got much more love to give. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gonna get over you, baby. It's officially become the NBA season uh, and college football playoff season. Yes, yes. I, I feel bad for Salah. I do. On a human level. The same way I felt bad for Zach Wilson. There's certain times when you saw Zach Wilson in the game, and whether you liked him or not, it's just like I don't get any joy out of seeing another human being go through that kind of like angst or pain. And it looked like this is a game of sport. Mm-hmm. Part of it has to be fun. And you, you, when you saw Zach Wilson play, it didn't look fun. When you saw Rob Salah today, I mean, he was colorless. Uh, his body, I mean, these Jets have sucked the life out of him. And, and when I say Jets, I don't necessarily mean the players. I just mean everything that encompasses it. The ownership is bad. Uh, the GM is a, is a snake oil salesman. And, um, you know, the only thing I would say with Rob Salah in terms of where – I can't feel sorry for him. Is you saw what happened with Adam Gase, so I don't know why you thought if you came in that you were going to get the full 100 percent, uh, you know, percent back. And that's not what this organization is about. It's not what the GM is about. Buddha? And then you allowed Uh-oh. them. We lost them. You know? No, right. we got him. Uh-huh. Uh, still there. Gordon, yeah, I will yeah. say this. I hear what Buddha's saying, but there's only so many of these jobs, mm-hmm. and you have the opportunity. Yep. To be a head coach in the National Football League, you, you got to go for it. You 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 got to you got to take that opportunity. Unfortunately, with a lot of these things, like anything else in life, there are things within your control and there are things outside of your control. And yeah. uh, a lot of the things outside of the control of Robert Sala have bit him and some of them things are on his plate as well. Uh it's um it's a tough situation, but it, it did, I agree with Buddha. He looked like he was dead man walking watching yeah. that game. It's almost, it's almost, almost, Gordon, like, can you put me out of my misery? Yeah, maybe he knows what's going on behind the scenes that we don't know. I I don't know. Uh, I I would still think it will depend on how the season goes. It's still, he still has, it might not be great odds, but he Mm -hmm. does still have uh, the ball in his hand, so to speak. And if they go out there and, and I would say this. If this team and this defense and this just the overall group loves him as much as you would think that they do, you got to go save the guy's job because otherwise, if you guys lose out, he's definitely gone. Yeah, but you know what, Gordon? I mean, <laughs> what else can you do? The defense are his guys, right? There's nothing else you can do. You you intercepted. <laughs> I mean, you, we talked about it earlier. Right. You mentioned it. 
Yeah, two interceptions, one for a right. touchdown. And you were losing more after the second one got, than you, you were got, before you got the first one. And they almost tripled your score. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's. I mean, what else can they do? The offense is not helping them. The offense is the, they, they're giving him. Listen, it's, it he's is, out there in the water looking for a life preserver. They're throwing him is, an anchor. It is putrid. It and, is and it's not putrid. getting better. And it can't get better because there's no better quarterback. It's not going to change. Buddha's back. Go ahead, Buddha. We got a couple minutes. All right. Listen, sorry. I don't know what happened there. What I would differ with you in opinion is I know that there's only a certain amount of jobs. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, everybody who watched knew that Wilson was a problem. So when he allowed the owner to tell him, look, I'm forcing you to fire um, LaFleur, he should have stood on that because you have to earn a person's respect at some point. You understand what I'm talking about? Like, once you allow somebody to do that to you, then later on you can't complain about, okay, I didn't have a quarterback, I didn't have – you never made a real stand. And that's where, you know, where he lost me with that because mm-hmm. he would have came out a winner. Say he would have got fired for that, he would have got another opportunity somewhere because people know what the Jets are and know, and, and, and know how dysfunctional the, the, age, the organization is. And the only last thing I'll say is in terms of, you know, the reason why I don't get all upset or I get all, all hyped the way I used to get is I have to have a solution on the horizon. You know, I can't just complain or I just can't just look at something and have that feeling of hopelessness. But when I look at the situation, what is, could be the outcome of what they have here now? If they get rid of anybody in clean house, who's going to come in here and be saddled with Aaron Rodgers and be told you have to do what he likes to do? If they do partial moves, let's say they get rid of Salah and make Ulbrich the coach, that's just a repeat of the same thing. You're giving more and more power to a guy who might not be able to play anymore. And then the third thing is, if they were going to really try to do something, they would hire a really established coach, and they would let him say, look, you have the ability to move forward with the quarterback we have here, or you have the ability to say, look, we need to move in a different direction. But we all know that they're not going to do the third choice. So why should I, as a fan, first of all, think that something is different. The, the, the definition of insanity is expecting change without change, but also get upset about it. It's my choice to um, you know watch these games and, and put whatever investment I have in them. And I agree with Tom Brady. The Jets are a reflection of it, but also the, around the league. These Thursday night games, these Monday night, the quality of football play is not what it used to be in the NFL. And I think that's a direct reflection of owners being more on the forefront than they used to be and being involved in decisions that they don't need to be involved in. Hire people, trust them, and let them do their jobs. Well, we don't know that that's not – we don't know that that's not what's happening. Buddha, thanks for the phone call. I mean, I I will say this. The idea that Robert Sala is going to stand up and say, oh, you're not going to get rid of this guy or you can get rid of me – it's every man for himself. I mean, all these coaches, baseball coaches, their the pitching coaches fire, the, the the hitting coaches are they don't they, they, everybody. It's every man for himself. Washington, they fire the defensive coordinator. It's every man for himself. I, I don't know that they have the ability, Larry, to move on from Rodgers after this year. Now, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I will say I don't know the numbers that I'm looking at, but the okay. numbers according to Rodgers' contract for 2024. His dead cap hit would be sixty-six million dollars. Oh well, sorry, he's playing. <laughs> he's on this so, roster, so that that that's out. Yeah, he's on. And this even roster. in twenty twenty-five, his dead cap hit is forty-nine million dollars. He's on the roster then too. <laughs> he better play. So you can't I, retire like, then. <laughs> this idea that well, okay, let's get rid of Robert Sal. That's easy. 
That's easy to do. Yep. What's the plan going forward from there? Yeah. I mean, I know it's New York, Gordon. Is this is this a job that's you know people would want to have? I don't know that it would. I don't know that it would be appealing, knowing the Rogers factor and just everything else that's going into it. I mean, I don't know because whoever comes in here, it's not like a t- it's not like Dable and Shane, where you're coming in and you know it's a rebuild and you got some time. Mm-hmm. Whoever is the coach next year, it, the, the expectations are going to be the same ones as they were this year. Expected to win, win playoffs, deep playoff run. I will say this. And Buddha has said it, and a number of other calls have said it. I think the next coach that has, and this is going to be tricky, but I think the next head coach that comes in here, it's got to be a coach with experience, Gordon. I, I don't know that you can get, I, I know the, the great, you know, the, the hot coordinator, mm-hmm. defensively, offensively, yep. you know, mm-hmm. I get it. I think you need somebody established. I do. I think you need a veteran to come roll up in here. And like I said, I'm not breaking new ground. Other callers have said it. But, you know, they've they've been a group that's had – I mean, think about it. I mean, they've had a bunch of first-time coaches. Well, they what's, tried what's the, the experience coach? route with Adam Gase had experience. Yeah, he's the last one. Yeah. And he was the first one in a while. Yeah. And they, and, they only went with, and they only went with him because he was an offensive guy. And they figured uh-huh. they would, you know, buck the trend because they had, like, defensive guy, defensive, defensive guy, defensive guy, guy defensive was, guy. According to uh, Chris Johnson, he was where the league was going, Larry. Well, Brady told you where the league is going. <laughs> and Gase forgot to go with the league. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'll wrap up this edition, special edition, Friday night edition of ESPN New York Tonight next on 98.7 ESPN.